Almost exactly a month ago, our team released a News or Noise YouTube video titled Negative First Quarter 2021 GDP Growth. Is a recession coming? We did this video because on April 29th, the Commerce Department, which is the government agency that calculates this data, released first quarter GDP growth, figures saying our economy actually shrunk by minus 1.4% in the first quarter versus economic expectations of a positive 1%. We figured that this would kick off the nonstop media discussion of whether we would be in a recession this year in 2022 or in 2023, or if we'll ever have a recession again. I'm Chris Paris with Oak Harvest Financial in Houston, Texas, and welcome to our weekly Stock Talk podcast. Before you get into this week's topic of recessions and the stock market, please take a moment to click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell so you'll be alerted when our team uploads our latest content. This week's topic is to help address the ongoing headline stories of a weak economy, negative GDP growth in the first quarter, or a looming recession. First off, I will continue to remind investors that government data reported is late. It's often revised multiple times, and it's almost never predictive in the economy or in stocks. Think about it. By the time that negative GDP quarter was reported in late April, the S&P 500 was already down 14% from its December all-time highs and sitting around 41.35, which is where it sits currently today. Conversely, by the time the data scientists in government declare a recession, most of the time, the markets have already discounted most of all the bad news, have healed by a large degree, and recovered most, if not all, of their losses as they are already looking forward to the next 12 months in easy comparisons and growth rates. Our prior podcast walked through how GDP growth is calculated. In it, we detailed how the surge in import volumes in the first quarter of this year led to our negative GDP number. We also discussed how terribly difficult the first three quarters of 2022 comparable GDP numbers would be. Recall that in the first half of 2021, our economy was still being aggressively pushed forward by government spending, which is called fiscal policy, and monetary policy expansion helped by our Federal Reserve. Throughout the first two quarters of 2022, we comp against the sugar high-induced GDP rebound in 2021. Here's a table of GDP growth the last two and a half years. I focus on GDP data now only because the financial industry and news outlets have come to define a recession as two or more consecutive quarters of declines in real GDP. Even though it's oddly manufactured, we've technically already had one negative GDP quarter, so the doomsdayers are out there in mass. I'll share this data I have on stock markets and recessions, but I want to follow it up with more data on bear markets, how often they occur, and how often we recover quite quickly from these events. So here it goes. I'm not gonna throw some guesstimate out there on the odds of a recession. We'll either have one or we won't. And giving odds of 25, 35, or 50% seems silly and impossible. Since World War II, we've sustained 12 recessions. The median decline in the S&P 500 was around 24% and the average was about 30%. The median decline would place the S&P 500 low tick around 3,600 or about 5% below the lows of a few weeks ago. Remember, the S&P 500 was already down almost 15% before first quarter negative GDP growth was printed at the end of April. Remember, equity indexes 
tend to discount both good and bad news in advance. Across those same 12 recessions, the equity market had peaked on average seven months before the official start of the recession per NBER's designation. The average peak to trough market timing has averaged about 13 months. However, it's been as short as one month on two occasions and as long as 30 months in the case of the 2000 post.com and Y2K bubble collapse. As for valuation, the S&P Ford P multiple has dropped by a median of about 21% from its pre-recession peak to its eventual trough. For our current market, the S&P 500 Ford P peaked over 30 times earnings in late fourth quarter 2020 and early 2021, and it now sits around 16 times earnings. That's approaching a 40% decline. So even if analysts were late to raise numbers post-COVID, and the market appears to already have discounted a lot of bad earnings revisions for the second half of 2022. Check out this PE chart from Goldman Sachs. The absolute valuation of equities versus history for those who wanna see it with their own eyes. Yes, inflation is running higher than the last 20 years. However, overall interest rates still are materially lower than other times during the last 20 years, and real-time inflation rates look to have peaked four to six weeks ago. Equity prices have declined, which is making stocks more attractive on a valuation basis. However, yes, there's still earnings risk to this summer. Over the last few weeks, we've laid out the historic stats on corrections in bear markets and recoveries. We've given you the stats on the depth and time for recoveries in cycles past. Instead of rehashing those data series, I wanna leave you with four positive stats to think about. One purely historic data point and then three others, which are follow-ups to our things that lead, which we laid out last November. Those data series, all having to do with treasury markets, are slowly inflecting positively now, just as the doomsday calls get louder. All of these series have pointed to stabilization and then higher stock prices over future months and quarters in the past, should these trends continue. First, a lot has been made about the last seven weeks being only the fourth time the S&P has been down seven weeks in a row. Those prior three dates were the first half of 1970, the first half of 1980, and the first half of 2001. In all three cases, the forward return to the S&P 500 was positive. And in both the cases in 1970 and 1980, the one-year forward return was almost exactly the same at just over 33%. I find that number interesting as it is huge and it's greater than 30%. This size number keeps showing up a lot in history during strong runs of market lows and pivots. Don't believe me? Did you forget about the President Obama re-election 2012 market rally? Yes, the market gained over 35% the next 13 months. How about President Donald Trump's election rally? Yes, the market gained over 35% the next 13 months then too. And most recently, did you forget about the 2020 Biden presidential election rally when the market gained over 35% the next 13 months as well? The market seems to like to surprise to the upside when most people are fearful. And no, the last 12 years, it hasn't been dependent on who was running the country. As for the real-time bond data series that behind the scenes are starting to ease, here they are. First off, real-time inflation expectations look to have peaked weeks ago. We've discussed this quite a few times. It's been a great leading indicator. The 10-year inflation expectations peaked over 3% in late April and May, 
and has now dropped about 50 basis points or half a percent. I know it isn't often quoted like the government CPI data. However, this data series in real time and market priced has worked. It isn't months old like government data that constantly gets revised. The second and probably even more important bond market data series that looks to have peaked and rolled over is the real interest rate component of treasury yields. This is commonly referred to as the real rate. This looks to have peaked on May 10th or 12th, not coincidentally, when the S&P 500 made its recent lows. What makes this so important? It's one of the inputs that many investors use to calculate the equity risk premium. The equity risk premium is the excess return earned by an investor when investing in the stock market over the risk-free rate. This return compensates investors for taking on higher equity-related risk. Take a look at the U.S. government 10-year real yield chart. My guess is you won't be seeing this chart or hear about it on TV, but it's extremely important if you're investing in equities and if you want them to stabilize and move higher. It is particularly important in high-growth stocks and technology-focused stocks. Look at this chart for a few seconds. See where the big circle is located? Take a look at early January of this year. Do you recall that the S&P 500 and tech stocks started their accelerated decline then? Yes, spot on at the exact same time. Now look at the chart last week. Yes, that looks like a peak in the real rate component of interest rates, and that has broken its sharp upturn that has lasted most of the year. If I was running a hedge fund, which we're not here at Oak Harvest, and if I had been negative or bearish on the markets year to date, or sitting in a lot of short positions, this indicator screams to me, cover shorts and look for a very strong rally. Apparently someone else noticed it almost exactly one week ago as given the market's strong move last week. Early sign of optimism, it looks that way. That's what this lurking behind the scenes in many of the same charts caused us to pen our first half outlook in 2022 titled Curb Your Enthusiasm back in November. This time, opposite six months ago, many of these same indicators are leaning towards saying that amongst all the bad news and slowing data, the markets are looking to find their footing and rally in the coming months. Our team here at Oak Harvest knows that the last five months have been a trying time for those invested in equity markets who are not trading oriented. The sustained higher market volatility for the first time in over two years is a harsh reminder to investors that stocks do not always go up. Listen, they certainly don't always go up in a straight line with low volatility, and there are no guarantees in public equity markets. We know that these sharp market moves tend to create emotional angst and the urge to make changes in what's supposed to be longer-term asset allocations. If the ongoing market volatility is making you feel uneasy, I would ask you to give us a call and schedule a meeting with an Oak Harvest advisor. Our team does have insurance-based tools in our planning toolbox that don't have the volatility of public equities. However, I remind you that these investments will also have lower expected long-term returns for your savings. Give our team a call here before making any dramatic changes to your allocation during times of heightened market volatility. These are the types of long-term asset allocation changes that are usually best done when markets are calmer and one's emotions are less elevated. At Oak Harvest, we think our clients are best served by us helping them plan for their future needs instead of focusing on the past. The future is always uncertain, and that is why our advisors and retirement planning teams plan for your retirement needs first and your greed second. 
Give us a call here in Houston to speak to an advisor and let us help you craft a financial plan that meets your financial and retirement goals. Call us here at 877-896-0040 and schedule an advisor consultation. We are here to help you on your financial journey into and through your retirement years. I'm Chris Paris, and from the whole team here at Oak Harvest, have a great weekend. All content contained within Oak Harvest podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.